Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast. We talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we can manage to come off topic with. My name is Chris, and uh, welcome back. We haven't done this in quite a while, but we're back with a Beers and Miles, the Elite Files episode. So uh, we have here my my uh, sidekick, my uh, infuriating partner. Uh, we have Larry. How are you doing, Larry? Good, man. And... Uh... I don't know what we'll do with this because uh, I'm recording on my end too. We're kind of trying some new shit out for the pod, and uh, I don't know why Chris has put his hand up. I, I can see everybody. We're recording video. I'm looking. Oh, at I'm trying to drink like Gatorade. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. You got, oh, you got T Bell or something. Um, but I'm looking at Chris, and he's wearing what looks like a pair of Raycons. We're not sponsored. Um, however, you know, if, if you listen to any podcast, you've probably heard the, the Raycon sponsorship. But I am doing well. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a special guest this week. Um, and, and Tyler, Tyler, we are very happy to have you. We actually had you on an earlier episode. And uh, so, actually, you actually led this one. You led a Instagram Live that I recorded. So I'm really, really excited to have you back on. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. And man, that was uh, that was at the beginning of the pandemic, wasn't it? Right when Boston was about to be canceled or you know, all this COVID stuff happened. That, that feels like forever ago. Yeah, it, it was a couple weeks beforehand. And it's crazy that we like, it's still a thing. <laughs> so I mean, I was it's so crazy. I was walking around the French Quarter. I live in New Orleans. I was watching walking around the French Quarter this past weekend. And I saw on a on a building, like on a shop that's been closed since the start of this thing, that they said, by order of Mayor Cantrell, we will be closed as of, and it said March 15th. And it just blew my mind that we are in August now, and this is still going on. And it feels like two years ago, but it was only five months. Yeah. It just completely just, you know, as time warp is real. Uh, It's insane. It's insane. And, um, yeah, before we start this episode, like we do with everything, um, or at least one of us, the Bob Beer. So uh, here's the beer for you guys. We have Pilsner Kell. It's a Czech Pilsner. So we have to put a beer in the Beers and Miles podcast because uh, uh, we always have to have beer in here. Uh, but yeah, we have a Czech Pilsner for this episode. We want to have something a little bit more refreshing because we're back to training, buddy. We're both back to training, and we'll get back to it. We'll get back to into it for all of us. But uh, yeah. Uh, so to begin with, let's talk about your story. Tyler, how, how did, what got you into running? I think it was just the overall feel for the thrill of running. Um, when I first started running, I was, I think nine years old. My mom remembers that I really wanted to try this, um, this run called to Grenogue and Bach. It was this classical run with like classical musicians playing the entire 5k mm-hmm. at, uh, in back in Delaware, where I'm from, and she just remembers how how much fun I had doing it, and I just kind of stuck with it there. I went to a summer camp in New Hampshire, and there's always this four mile run at the end of end of the camp where it'd be a competition between all the campers and staff, and I would usually do pretty well for the campers at a young age, you know, 10, 11, 12, and by the time I was a counselor there, you know, 16, 17, 18, I'd win the thing, and during that time, I was also in high school, running competitively at, at Mount Pleasant High School in Delaware. Um, you know, I had originally gone out for baseball, but I got cut after my freshman year. And then I went to the land of misfits, <laughs> as it is with, uh, you know, cross country and track and field. They were so welcoming. And I knew I had a little little bit of a knack for running. I wasn't the greatest, but um, I, I went through there. And then I went to uh, college as a walk-on to the University of Delaware. I wasn't too great there. Um, it was just all the thrill of it and the, the, the sense of competition. And I think that for the same reason that I like to, to go to the gym so much, you know, Tyler runs lifts is my Instagram handle. So there's the combination there um, that both running slash the track and iron slash the gym does not lie. Like you get out of it, what you put into it. And if you can't run, whatever time you want to run. If, if I want to go sub 110 in the half marathon and I don't do it that day, I couldn't do it. There's nothing, your body wasn't ready for it. The conditions weren't there, but mainly you didn't will yourself enough to go do it. And lifting, if I want to lift, if I want to bench press 315 or do 
you know, do the combine, NFL combine for reps 225. And I can't get it off my chest. I can't lift it. The iron does not lie. The track does not lie. Our feet don't lie. I think that's what I love about it because it's, it's also about accountability. Like you need to grind. You need to get out there and you need to do it yourself because no one else can help you. So when, at what point did you start implementing weightlifting into your routine? Was that something that was happening in high school? Was it something that happened post-college? Like when did the lifts part of Tyler Run's lifts become such a integral part of your life? I mean, I guess when I started my Instagram account, because Tyler Runs was already taken, and I wanted to have. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I guess. I, I, <laughs> I, I guess it would go back to. I mean, I didn't really lift too much in high school, um, and then when I got to college, you know, every campus allows you to have access to the campus gym, and I would go there and I'd lift a little bit. I wouldn't do too much, but then. After college, I think it really picked up because um, I kind of got mixed up in some bad stuff after college, and I uh, had a bad injury uh, due to some bad stuff that I did, and um, it just it hurt my knee to the point where I didn't trust it to run, so what was the next best thing? Be to lift, be to go to the gym and dedicate myself there. So I just put as much effort into the gym as I did my training and it just kind of stuck. Like I said earlier that the iron doesn't lie. And I love the feeling of progress, whether it be me trying to get my bench to a, a higher level, whether it be me trying to do reps of something, whether it be me trying to get my name up the comp competitors board, you know, every gym that I've been to, I've loved because it has this competitors board, like either, you know, the strong man board that I'm never going to get on. You know, I'm not going to be squatting 500. I'm not going to be benching 400 or deadlifting 700. I mean, those are the marks that it has to get on those boards. But they have like an athlete board where you can do the most tire flips you can in five minutes, or you can do the most uh, push-ups you can do in a minute or as many sit-ups in a certain amount of time consecutively. And that's what pushes me. And that kind of got me there. And then once I fully got back into competitive running at age 30, so I took eight years off after college, um, I just kind of continued my drive to want to stay in the gym because it made me feel good. I mean, so we'll, looking good. Go ahead. So sorry. Was, that, was that something that when you, when you put that into like weightlifting, was that something like that competitive at, like attitude? Was that something that you had – already driven into you from running that just transitioned into weightlifting or was that kind of something a new fire that was different when it came to weightlifting and that transitioned over to and even and then i guess the secondary question there too was that fire from weightlifting because i kind of want to dig deeper into that transition from like eight, eight years is a long time yeah and it was a long time from going from like competitive running at the d1 level and and knowing that you get steeple and you did some of these tougher events, you did weightlifting for quite a while and you stopped running for eight years. And there's not many people can stop running for eight years and come back to competitive running. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that transition period of what what's the decision to say, let's give us another shot. I'm also surprised. All right, where do you... we... <laughs> sorry, sorry not not to cut you off. Uh, it's difficult with video recordings. Uh but um I'm also surprised too, like the whole knee injury thing, like that you decided just to transition directly into lifting being that that's such a hard sport on your knee. So after Chris's question, I'm kind of curious about that too. So I guess let's, let's put it this way. Let's, let's, let's say, were you always very competitive in that kind of way to begin with? And then let's talk about um, your, like your decision to transition over from like, uh, transition after the knee injury to go to weightlifting and then we'll go from that eight years from there all right so um yeah i've i've always been competitive i think almost unfortunately it it kind of drives me into the ground with a lot of things but as soon as the running went away i, I knew i needed something in there and i didn't i didn't take up cycling yet uh that's something else i added recently since i moved to new orleans at a uh, age 30. um but the competitive fire was just always there. And, and through lifting, it kind of 
once I touched the iron for the first time, once I started benching for the first time, or, you know, I, I wasn't squatting, I didn't trust my knee enough. So I would just do upper body stuff. And whether it be benching or military press or things like that, I mean, I hadn't lifted before. So those just like a runner, an introductory runner is going to, they're going to see immediate progress. They're going to say, oh my God, I can, I, I never was able to run a mile in eight minutes. This feels awesome. Then 745 is going to come quickly for them next. And 730. And so with lifting, I was never able to bench 180. I was never able to bench 190. Oh my God, 200? Whoa, two plates, 225? This is insane. Like it just drove my competitive fire to the point where I wanted to see how high I could get, see how good I could get at it. Um, And just to to, to finally meet goals of, uh, you know, I've always had this idea of 6'2", 190 for my, uh, my ideal height and weight. And right now I'm hovering around my, my race weight is, you know, six two one seventy two, Um, but one, one ninety just sounded right. Um, sounded like, yeah, I'd walk around being like a brick shit house. And, uh, you know, I got to, I got to about six two one ninety five, and I didn't like myself at it. Like I was like, hell yeah, I got it done, but I just look like a goof. So, um, I kind of toned it back down. Um, sorry for rambling there a little oh, bit. Yeah. I hopefully I didn't, uh, no, it's exactly what we're asking for. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very different kind because, like, I've had quite, I asked questions for people that were getting into running, and I have a lot of friends that were big weightlifters, and after the gym got closed, they're like, how do I get into running? It's awful. And then them transitioning over to that, whereas as a long-distance runner, how often do we see, like, long-distance runners transition into weightlifting? There's very few percentages that do it. And it's and it, it and it's kind of interesting. You just mentioned how your friends who go to the gym had felt that uh, that hole in their heart after you know during the pandemic when all the gyms closed. Um, that was a major. I I kind of spiraled into a little bit of a depression um, right after the pandemic because my gym closed and yeah. for two months I was I was without direction. I felt like. Every day I wake up, I go run, I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I, I go to work, I go to the gym. I pull two a days. I just do because I would rather be at the gym doing something productive with my time than going back to my destructive waves. Um, and you know, tying back into what got me back into running was the fact that during those eight years, I had tried to cram as much. There was always a piece of me missing, and I tried to fill it with as many other things as I possibly could, whether I tried to do whatever else I might've done, trying to force my way, trying to force this piece back into the puzzle that just wouldn't fit. But as soon as I ran that first race, as soon as I ran the, what was it? The Crescent City Classic was my first ever race back in 2017, actually. I got back into competitive running in 2018, but the year before, I just, a 10K down here around Easter, my girlfriend at the time had a charity bid for me. I got it. I set a goal for myself. I, I did like three days of training. I was like, I just want to run sub 42. If I can go sub 42 for a 10K, I'll feel amazing. That's my goal. That's my de- determination. Yeah. As soon as I stepped on the line and I went, I crossed that finish line in 42.02. And that sparked me. That said, I need to do something. And while I didn't start running competitively in my first big race until the next year, it put it in motion what I wanted to do. Uh, kind of an unrelated question to the running and, and things that we're talking about, but like on a good day, right? How, how much can you bench? Oh, uh, um, I mean, are we talking max or reps? Yeah, let's 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 go with max. There's uh, there's a reason behind this question, by the way. I'm I'm just curious. Um, I haven't maxed in a long time. I will say that right now we're probably looking at 275. Um, yeah, I, I thought the ballpark, you know, I'll throw it there. I haven't uh, maxed in a long time though. So Chris, he could probably bench you and I combined plus gunner and maybe some extra weight there too. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Chris and I both weigh what? I think I weigh 135 to 140, and Chris probably weighs less than I do, and he's taller than I am. So we're both uh, pretty small guys yeah, compared to you. You can, you can, you can love both of us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes, like, how long did you have this question? Well, you've, you've been kind of just moving along with the pot. I've been like, when can I ask this question? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad I kind of threw it. I'm glad I kind of threw a, a, an idea your way to where I kind of spurned that question at <laughs> you. Not, that's not the same and thing. I will say, and I will say that, um, oh, what was it? Oh, shoot. It was, I posted this on my Instagram not too long ago. Maybe it was a couple of months ago now. Who, who knows? Time flies in the pandemic. Um, when it was a picture from the start line of the San Antonio Rock and Roll Half Marathon back in December. And... It, you literally you could not do a where's waldo because i stuck out like a gargantuan um <laughs> like you know uh what is it the the lilliputans and and goliath or david or whatever like i literally looked head and shoulders above everyone else and as soon as i saw that photo i saw myself and i had to laugh like it was like you guys say your sizes and and here i am i don't think i'm that big but when i look around at the at a start line and tell it with the other elites or sub elites like you know, six two one seventy five sticks out. I never thought it does, but it really does. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely, it's it's the Chris Olinsky kind of thing where he's like one eighty and like six five. It's it's very very different from your typical like uh, elite sub elite runner. Like it's so. I mean, even on that topic, like <laughs> kind of coming into it, so like forty two is a long way. And I'm not going to bury the lead and say what you end, you have ended up running, but like. 42 minutes in a 10K is a very, very, very long way from where you've actually achieved in the past year. So where was that moment? Because, like, you had that moment of spark of getting back into running again. But where was that moment where you said, you know, there actually might be something next right now? Oof, that's a good question. Um, I would say the ensuing October – um, when I ran my first half marathon and I wouldn't be, you know, I, I say I got back into competitive running in 18 and I mean that because mm -hmm. I don't consider what I've been doing competitive. Like I wasn't to the level where I wanted to be. So I, and I don't want to say, I'll just say like I was amateur. I, I, I hate the term hobby jogger because that's just demeaning. Um, I was just a runner at that stage, not elite, not sub elite, whatever it is. I was just running, trying to get myself to where I wanted to be because ultimately I see a lot of people on Instagram and stuff, you know, putting themselves down like, Oh, I'm not a runner. I'm only do 10 minutes. I'm not a runner. Shoot. We're all runners. If you run, if you put two feet in front of each, each other and you go at a brisk pace compared to what you're used to walking, you're a runner. Congratulations. Um, we're all out but, you know, back to the, Exactly. We're out there. We're getting it done. You're pushing yourself. You know, you're grinding just as much as we are. Um, but no, 2017, I, uh, another goal I had for myself, I saw what the, the week before I was scheduled to run this half marathon that I trained a little bit more for. Um, I saw one of my former college teammates. She had run a 130 half and she had continued training after college and got out of it a little bit, but got it back into it. And I was like, I, I want to try to be around her. Like if I could get to be, she was one of the best women on our, on our team and she was hanging with us during workouts in college. So I was like, if I can, if I can go ahead and, and be around that stage, like it would mean that I am almost back to at some point college shape. I don't know what kind of college shape I would be in, but I'd be around it. So I had a goal of 130. I mean, it wasn't that great, but at the same time, it was a lot light years better than I my 42-minute goal for that 10K. Um, and I went 128.58. And that set in stone the idea that there's something left. There's a lot more. And I didn't feel that out of shape running that. Um, and it kind of, as soon as I crossed that finish line, I'm like, hey, let's see what we can get. Let's see how much we can shave off of this. No, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think 130 is pretty great for a half marathon either. It's fine. Chris, what are we going for for the half this weekend? I'm shooting for a 132 season. But but even going ahead, like yeah, I mean that's next. So 128 after that 128, I mean 
it's still pretty far, pretty, pretty far from where your PR is now. So once that 128 hit, what sent it to the next level? It was uh, finding a local track group that I could actually train around and, and dedicate myself to. Um, I, I, this is a post that I was actually going to maybe put out in a, a couple of weeks if I can try to get the words around it. You know, it's kind of emotional for me. Um, but I still have the introductory text messages, direct messages that I sent to the Power Miler Track Club down here in New Orleans about, hey, I'm going to come out to my first run. Where do you guys meet? Hey, I'm going to come out. And I was I was really scared to send that message. Like I was fearful because I didn't want to get laughed at. I didn't want to go out there and just get smoked by all these like good local runners because the Power Milers in New Orleans, they're we're we're like the Bowerman Track Club of New Orleans. Like people will look at us and and people will say, Okay, here are the Power Milers, they're there to fuck shit up. Like we'll out of ten the top ten finishers in a local race, if there aren't many other like big time teams there from other parts of the country like we'll take seven of the top 10 spots um but i got out there and um i sent that message and i was like you know what if i can join this team if i can train again and get there and do some workouts maybe i can cut some more time off and that kind of spurred me further and i've i mean i've raced against i've raced against one of your guys i think at uh, boston I have some photos with the power miler and also I have somebody that I followed. I think even before I followed you. Uh, so I, Audubon runner. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, Grace I, I, is a, she's great. Yeah. yeah. So like that's, it's, it's really interesting to see that, especially as so like, I think my story is very much alike with yours as far as like getting back into racing again. And it's following these elite groups and get it, building that fire again. Cause it's like, oh, well, hey, they're running fast. Uh, I kind of want to run fast too, let's do it. And then having everybody be on that same level, it's like, hey, we're kind of going after this. But I mean, when now you have, I mean, you have a 128 at that point. You're 128, mm -hmm. you've joined the Power Milers group. You're now looking to start running, running, taking running a lot more serious than you were before. Uh, What's that next breakthrough? It would be, um, we're going to go, we're going to fast forward to January of 2018. It was after, I guess, a few months of actual training with these folks. And I'm pushing myself pretty fucking hard here, man. I, I am, my goal was not to get dropped by these guys. <laughs> and, and it was tough off the bat. And it kind of led to me getting some niggles and naggles, um, a few minor injuries here and there, nothing like I'm trying to come back from now. Um, but like, and that was done with me trying to keep up at the stage. I should have just held my own and kind of worked my way into it, but it kind of pushed me and it got me back into a little bit of a shape. But then um, I went to go visit a friend up in Chicago and she surprised me the day before I was supposed to leave, she was like, hey, I signed us up for a half marathon. And this is January in Chicago. I'm like, great, thanks. Like, I mean, this will be this will be fantastic. <laughs> and what's that? It's like, I'm going to freeze to death out here. Yeah, I'm going to freeze to death. I live in New Orleans now where it doesn't get above, get below, you know, 40 during the, during the, uh, during the winters. And um, I, I look at the, <laughs> I, I look at the forecasts and it calls for like 15 degrees at race time. And oh. of course it's the F3 Lake half marathon. So it's on the Chicago bike path right next to the lake. And it's going to be a lake effect breeze happening next to it. So it's going to be like blowing ice at me. Oh. And I don't have, I don't have gloves. I don't, I don't have, I don't have arm warmers. So I go up there with my, my racing shorts and my singlet. And, you know, we go out there and it was after this little bit of training and I just went for it. I wait a second. I'm bringing up my phone right now because I think I still have a note saved. When I was on the plane, I wrote myself a note with my goal. And I was curious if I could get it. Here it is. I just found it actually. 
So, and I'll, I can, oh, yeah. so I'll show you. It's, I, I didn't just type, I didn't just type that note. It's in here. Um, That's cool. This was from January 19th, 2018. It says half marathon, 128.50 half, 128.58 jazz half, 646 per mile pace. Sub 124, F3 half marathon, 626 mile pace. I went up there with that goal. When I crossed that finish line in 121.24 and took seven minutes and 34 seconds off my time from October, off a little bit of training, that lit my fire. Damn. That, number one, that's incredible, and I'm furious. But number two, like, uh, compared to, like, running in New Orleans, like, obviously you're in Chicago, it's freezing, like, air in your lungs, like, all that stuff, like, the cold air, did that affect you at all? Did you feel like the, the weather was, you know, I mean, obviously not, because you still shave seven minutes off your race time, but, like, how did that feel? It sucked at the start. Yeah. But as soon as I, as soon as I was running, and I didn't notice it. I, I honestly didn't. I felt my hands were a little bit cold. I mean, I wish I had gloves, but I don't like to run in arm warmers. I don't like to run in sleeves. Um, now I'll just race in half tights and gloves as a cold in my singlet. But it, it was no, none the worse. I mean, and the wind wasn't that bad. It was a crosswind, so it wasn't like a headwind or, you know, which would have sucked going one way. And then but you would get the tailwind going the other, which would be pretty nice. And hopefully... It would be going out. You get the headwind coming back. You get that luxurious tailwind. Um, yeah. But no, no, it felt fine. Like I, I warmed up really quickly. And um, afterward, once I finished, oh, I, I got pretty damn cold because you're all sweaty. Your yeah. body just wants to do that. So I quickly got into whatever I could find. into, And I put like on three race shirts. And I was just like, you know what? These are going on. That's fair. Yeah, I assume the adrenaline probably took you for most of that. So that's probably, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Let's move forward to... Uh your Boston Marathon qualifier. All right. Um, that was the grandma's uh, full marathon in June, I believe, June 22nd, uh, the day before my birthday. Um, I actually signed up on that on a whim. I had no, I didn't, I had no dreams of running a marathon ever. Um, <laughs> but... It was in February when um, a friend of mine, Mia, uh, she helps she helped co-lead a thing called November Project down here, and it's like a, a great national free fitness movement. That pandemic has kind of slowed it down, but there are a lot of at home workouts, and they're we're in like sixty five cities now, which is awesome, uh, completely free. Um, but she was like, "I want to go run a marathon," and. I was like, yeah, I'll run a marathon with you too. She says, well, I'm thinking about running this one in June. I said, let's sign up. So I went back home that night. I went on the Grandma's Marathon website. Uh, I went to their registration, put my credit card info, hit submit. As soon as I got that confirmation email, I said, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, I've never run, I've never run more than 16 miles in a training run, even back in college. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, almost beat myself into hell trying to, I, I, I mean, I, I felt no worse for wear after, like immediately when I crossed the finish line of that 120. So immediately after that, you're, you're, you signed up for it. Now you're. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as I saw, like I said, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why the hell did I just sign up for this thing? I've never run more than uh, 16 miles in a training run. And, even though I was fired up once I crossed the finish line of that a half and, you know, 121, my body was beat to hell. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not, how, how, how am I going to race 26.2? But anyway, I, I signed up and I got the training and I threw the most haphazard training thing together in my life uh, because I never ran a marathon. Um, it was in the middle. It was going into the summer months and, and no one's going to be running a marathon and no one's going to be training through a marathon in the New Orleans heat. Um, I mean, I was trying to this year with Chicago, um, but no one in their right mind trains through the New Orleans heat for a marathon, let's say. Um, so we didn't have something for the 
it, in my training group, we didn't have a marathon group. So I pretty much did my own plan, pieced together a whole bunch of other things I found through different mediums. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens. So I got on the start line. I don't have a nifty iPhone uh, note for you guys. I can just tell you that my my original goal was sub 250. My pie in the sky goal was 245. And being the absolute competitor that I am, I made the 245 my main goal. It wasn't pie in the sky. It was what I wanted to do no matter what. Um, so I got out there and I just, as soon as I crossed 13 point across the half, I realized the marathon distance and the half marathon distance were my favorites. Like fuck everything else, you know, the 5k, 10k, everything I did in college, I now live for the half and the full. It just feels right. It feels like where I should be. It feels like home. Um, but anyway, so, um, I, I felt in a groove the entire time and uh i crossed the finish line in 248 37 it was better than my original a goal it was still less than my newfound a goal um and while you might say oh my god it's such a good time oh it's sub 250 you beat that eight no i wanted the 245 um mm -hmm. so i knew there was more out there for me so uh that was originally what qualified me for boston so let's talk about Boston now. Well, we can And so between Boston and uh, Grandma's, there was the Rocket City Marathon where I set my current PR of 236. That was in um, December. So in six months, then I shaved 12 minutes off my marathon PR. And that was with an actual structured training plan through my Power Milers group. Um, so that's but, 12 minutes rough that's a huge huge drop that's uh i mean 245 was that goal for that first one 236 is Ridiculous. that's that's i mean for a lot of places your top 10 in your local marathon like your local major marathons mm -hmm. um, or and in some places you might be even winning it yeah no i finished uh i think oh, i finished sixth at the the rocket city marathon and that one really, again, that was another one of those marathons where it just felt like home. Like, I felt invincible running that thing. Like, I, I slowed down a little bit, I think, in mile 22 or 23. But I felt invincible. I felt strong. And, you know, afterward, um, the race director came up to me and said, God, your training must have been so, so crazy. Like, all you power milers are coming across the finish line just looking incredibly strong. Like, it was just a walk in the park. And my God, like how, how do you guys do it and stuff? And I think a lot of credit does go to our coach, Jimmy Smith, who has gotten me through several of these uh, great races, but also the fact that, you know, we work hard, we play hard, we grind hard down here. Um, but I think I got a little cocky. I think I thought the, the marathon was easy. And then to tie to Boston uh, to last year, I guess. Oh shoot. Yeah. It would have been last year. Yeah. Um, everything fall, fell apart and I realized the marathon should not be fucked with. <laughs> I, I realized that it's important to not um, doubt or to, to taunt the marathon because it will bite you. So Larry, I'll take, I'll let you take control for a little bit, for a little bit of these next like, couple minutes and ask some questions about Boston because this Larry's goal net, like eventually is to qualify for Boston himself. So start. That's asking, awesome. That's the way. I'm just, okay, yeah, because I do have a lot of questions about it. Number one, I guess, like, obviously the experience is a little bit different this year because of virtual and all that stuff. But, like, being being mm -hmm. like, actually at Boston and the crowds and everything, like, is it – because you've run other marathons. Is it different from other marathons? Like, do you feel the weight of, like, what Boston is compared to other marathons? Like, how, how was that experience for you? Yeah, man. Um, I, I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah. That – I mean, the, the grandma's marathon, I, I think it has the most like at three, 4,000 runners. I, I, I don't want to lowball them. Maybe let's say up to 7,000 runners. This yeah. one has, and you know, you're running through Duluth down to Duluth from, from uh, twins, two cities or two twin harbors or something like that. Uh, and just, you'll see people on the side of the road cheering. I mean, it's not anything like a major. And then I run, the rocket city marathon and it's 
you know, 5,000 people were run through Huntsville, Alabama. And then my next marathon is Boston. I've never run a major before. Yeah. And you, you get there and you feel everything. It's from the moment that you get that confirmation email that you're going to be running the Boston marathon to the minute you get on to the minute you land the plane, everything you see is Boston, you know, the blue, the yellow, Boston strong, everything. And it just levels with you. Like this is, this is, our Super Bowl. This is our World Series as runners, and you go to the expo, and it all hits you, and you get your number, and you see other people from other countries, and you see all the flags from all the countries that people are going to be running for, and then you realize that all the greatest marathoners in the world have raced here. Um, there are so many co- competitions. This is the world's old. You know, this is one of the oldest marathons in the world, and. It, they've run the same route each time. So you're follow, you're literally following in the footsteps of all these people. And when you get on that bus and you go out and you wait in Hopkinton and you're just there and it's like, I think the, the race doesn't hit you there yet. No, because you're there, you're just in the paddock, you're hanging around. It's at a different time because the race usually starts what 11 a.m. Yeah. So it's like in the middle of the day and you're out there and it's just, you're waiting, you're waiting, but the nerves are building up. The nerves are building up because you see everyone in there because you're with 30,000 other people and you're waiting in line at the porta potties and you're just like trying to get that nervous energy out and you don't want to burn it off too much because you want it there for the race. And then all of a sudden you hear them call, you know, the waves like wave one, come on. And you see just people start walking and they just start shedding clothes, throw it into the back of the trucks and you don't feel it there. At least I didn't feel it there. Like, and you're walking, and you're walking, and off goes a shirt, and you get in your singlet, and you're just, and you're like, and you have a, about a, a half mile walk down to the start. And, and like, you're, you're the same. You don't have like, unlike your other races, you don't have any place to warm up. You're, it's a, it's a corral down to the start. Oh wow! And you're packed with everyone. Yeah. We're all and you're in. just looking around. Yeah. And you're just looking around and it's just, and, and it still doesn't hit you yet because you're just in the middle of a neighborhood at this time. Like you're just walking down a street with a whole bunch of runners, mind you, but still it didn't hit, it didn't hit me yet. I don't know, Chris, if it hit you at this stage yet, but as soon as you make the turn and you, and you, then you go down to the porta potties and then you make another turn and there it is. Like you see the start, you go into the corral and then once you wait in the corral before the Boston Marathon, that's when it hit you. You know that from that moment, you have 26.2 miles to go from Hopkinton to Boston, that 30,000 runners times 100 years at least, 300,000 other runners, give or take, had run down that same path that you will. That is pretty fucking cool. All that history hits you at once. And people work there, and you're going to get there, Larry. Yeah. You're going to get – there's no doubt in my mind. You're going to get there sooner than you think. And it's going to hit you that all of your dreams at that moment, that's what you wanted, and you're going to go do it. And then you just go, and, and the gun sounds, and you just go. And as soon as you make that first step on that course, then it hits you. Then you're like, I am running the fucking Boston Marathon. Oops. It's so funny because, like, for me, it was very much like when I signed up, I was like, well, everybody says I should do Boston. And, I, I mean, I didn't have the long break that you did. I had maybe a year or two break after college. I was like, oh, well, marathon running, I had it kind of the same way as you did. It was like after I signed up, I woke for me, I woke up hungover, and I was like, I signed up for a marathon. What the fuck? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I got my qualifier 241. So both of us were in that, that, that first section. And at that point, it was like, oh, well, fuck, I, I guess you should do it. And uh, But the one thing was like going through there with my mom and, and, uh, and Sig, that, the guy that I met from Mexico City that I toured through the entire weekend. Uh, funny enough, Instagram is crazy. Uh, he said he didn't use kind of he's going blind and he didn't really know anybody in for some of the States. And he's doing this for his brother. Wow. And we, we, we toured him through as like, Hey man, where are you staying at? 
somehow staying at the same hotel I was. Like that's amazing. How that happens? And it's like, dude, we're staying in the same place. I'll come with us. My mom and my brother told me like, hey, we got a hotel. I didn't even pick the hotel. My mom and my brother picked the hotel. They told me a couple of weeks beforehand. I didn't even like classic me. I don't plan anything. <laughs> yeah. And, and and they got the hotel, and so they just had by chance. So we were in the same place, and uh, and it really was uh, the experience of like the the seeing everything there, and then. I, I mean, going up to going up to like that corral, I saw my buddy Russell that I haven't seen in years that I ran with against in college. And then I saw some other people and it was like, you know, it, it, you don't once that 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 horn starts for your your key, it's like we're here. And that first three miles, it's like everybody's like excited about it. And it's it's different. It's different than anything you ever experienced. It's amazing. And it's like. As somebody that, that that thought like marathoning was going to be like, I just do Boston. I'm done with this whole thing. I'm done with this whole part of my career. I think I'm done with the competitive running. It made me fall in love with it again. It was. It's crazy how that happens, Tyler. I, and, and it's go ahead. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say one thing to Chris's uh, comment about how you know Instagram can make the world seem a lot smaller. Um, when I was. When I got into the starting corral, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And uh, it's a guy that I had followed and followed me for a long time. Yeah, and, and Chris, you might know him. He's a, uh, faster with Julio. Yeah. Um, Julio Vela. Yeah, he, he he was in corral one, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He was like, hey, man. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> this is insane. You know, and, and it, it caught me totally by surprise. But we talked for a little bit, and then the race started, literally, like, two minutes later. <laughs> and then I'm running in the first couple of miles, and – I, I just hear, hey, Tyler, and I, I, I don't even know. And it's this uh, guy named Waldo X17. I, I, like, hey, I ran against him in, in college. Did you? Okay. He ran against Waldo. He ran for Whittier College in, in California. We're in the same conference. Small world. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I ran with him for a couple miles. And we just chatted back and forth. And he was just like, I follow you on Instagram. I'm like, what's your handle? <laughs> like, I don't recognize you. And he told me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen you. And uh we, we keep we keep in touch a little bit, but uh, but yeah. So I just wanted to kind of touch on how small the Instagram world can be uh, if you want to make it small. Yeah. Um, even sorry about that. The, even I mean, you're you're right about that. Even with the running, I, mean, I I wouldn't have realized that you and Waldo know each. So me and Waldo have had had beers back when I was in California, and when I go back to visit for like for like Christmas and everything like that. He's very good friends with some of the people that I know. So like I've had beers for people's twenty first birthday or like for their birthdays and like I'm like what the hell I was like Waldo knows how does this happen and then I looked at him <laughs> oh my god how did, like it's amazing and I, I I took photos with Waldo and uh, Waldo after the actually that marathon uh, because there was some like with your guys and also like my old teammate from college Jaden was actually racing too <laughs> but like even at, like eight, eight miles in. Uh, Paul Balmer, he runs for the That's Fine Track Club uh, out in San Francisco. I, I raced against him in college. Um, his senior year would have been my, so my sophomore and freshman year, and I saw him in this group, and I passed him at eight miles, and they kicked my ass at the second half because they was split around. Yeah, they, they destroyed me. I have them in a couple of photos with me. Um, but then they that mowed me. That water bottle with a giant – like, yep. they were a team – and like they, had, there's a picture. I think I don't know if it's the Oakland Marathon, but they all finished hand in hand. Damn. Um, they're a very, very good running group. I mean, I think Paul ran sub 15 in college. Like those guys are legit. I mean, they came, they went out to Boston to have some fun, and they kicked the crap out of people. In the second half. Tyler, Hashtag I, track club goals. I did want to throw in that uh, <laughs> the way that you described the Boston Marathon the experience and everything. I just want you to tell me a bed night, bedtime story every night for the rest of my life because I feel like that was just like, it's like set the scene perfectly. I was like, man, I'm, I'm there. Like, I'm already there, guys. <laughs> so, no. Well, I got you. I got you. Okay. Unfortunately, you. let's talk about the transition because uh, let's talk about nightmares for Boston because you've talked about it a lot on your Instagram. Let's talk about the Boston, like the, the other side of what Boston feels like because I felt it too. Um, as, as amazing as the highest of highs, you can feel the lowest of lows. 
especially if you're not used to training hills. Um, I did a workout. Um, what was, I forget what the workout I did was it was, Oh, it was a cut down run. Um, you know, where we get down to like, um, marathon pace minus 40 seconds in the last mile. And I did this, um, and that's over, I think a 20 mile long run. And I did this on a hill route that I frequented for my training this year for Boston. Um, and I hit that. I smoked that workout. I was like, oh, yeah, bring on those Newton Hills. I'm going to knock the fuck out of them. And I went through half feeling great. I mean, and I went, yeah, this is amazing. Oh, my God, these hills have nothing. I, I did the Folsom Road. I mean, what are these Newton Hills all about? Yeah, those were famous last words because <laughs> – as soon as I got into those, they knocked the shit out of me. Um, I just struggled and I was almost brought to a walk. I fell off pace horribly. And by mile 21, I was broken. I had doubted myself. I thought about dropping. I kept pushing because I, my family had flown in from Delaware drove up from Delaware, my entire family, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother-in-law, and her two kids um, all came up to come watch me run. You know, and, and in a marathon, you don't, it's not like track. You can't see them multiple times. They saw me one time, the entire race. And they said I looked so good, but this was right around, I think about two miles left. And what resonates with me in terms of nightmare I thought it as a nightmare before, but now I see it as a learning lesson. I see it as a sense of pride for my future. Um, Chris, you, you know what I'm talking about, and Larry, you've you probably seen photos. Um, the Sitco sign with one mile to go. It is the iconic where people look strong. They look big in front of. I mean, you have a mile to go in the Boston Marathon. You're ready to crush it. Yeah, you're you're ready to smash a huge. You know, and some of it's, it's mostly downhill minus the, the underground, the under uh, the tunnel you got to go under on Commonwealth. Everyone looks strong. The photo they got it, I'm walking. I'm walking at mile 25 of the Boston Marathon in front of the Sitco sign. And that, like I said, it, it was a nightmare to see at first, but it's been a sense of determination and pride that I do not want that ever to happen again. I want to train myself to where that won't happen again in any race. And it was not only in running, but in life. Like, I just can't let that feeling ever happen again. Because as great as I felt going into it, that sucked everything out of me. Um, and I mean, I had goals of, uh, I shouldn't have shot for it, but I had goals of a sub 230 in Boston that year. Um, I would have yeah, I would have been content. My my teammate who I trained alongside most of the, my training cycle, I believe he went 234, 232. That would have been fine for me. If I just kept pace with him and didn't, at the start, I got it in my mind that I was going for that sub 230, so I got on pace and went for it. That's probably also the reason why I created in that second half. Um, but I just wasn't hill ready, and I was a mental midget that day. And it just... It, the race bodied me and the marathon taught me the lesson that day that you cannot take it for granted that no matter how great you think it is, how great I thought I was after grandma's marathon and no matter how strong I felt after the rocket city marathon, 26.2 miles is going to humble you at some point. That was when it got me. Oh yeah. And I mean, I mean with that, it's like, it's not only, I mean, there's three hills that people train for, but nobody trains for the 10 miles of downhill that take a strain on your calves and take a strain on your hamstrings. Cause that's what ended up. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you did three, three big hills like that at mile three, it wouldn't be an issue. But the fact that it's like you have 13 miles of a big like downhill and then you have that mile, like really steep downhill at 14, even though it's like only maybe 200 meters like 200 maybe 400 meters it kills you and it's a very very different thing and it's like that's one thing they don't teach you as a runner is being able to like and me and me and larry i mean sorry i have to throw my formula one plug in here but like we don't we don't ever talk about like 
as runners being able to like maintain depending on the course. Yeah. And we just say, we'll just be consistent, but there's no, but we also like, I mean, you as a D1 runner and like when I went to D2 it was very different because the courses tend to be pretty flat. There's not really much like, I mean, now like with people going running at Wisconsin, running at Louisville, things like that, cross country, and even in track, there's not really any kind of like variables to it. It's like you don't you don't train your body to be able to adjust the elements of the going uphill and downhill. You hope for a fast race. You hope for a very flat course. So what happens is like you have these courses that are not like that. You have to adjust accordingly. You have to adjust accordingly to the, the elevation, gain, and drop. And as me, I mean, that was your third marathon. It was my second marathon. And like, we're very new to this. We're very new to these events. And it's like, we come into this and it's like puffing our chest out. We're ready to take this on. And, you know, I'd rather take it now than take it later. It's really nice to have that, like, that humbling experience. Because also, I think if our marathons went perfectly and we both hit stuff 230 in that, that Let's Run thread, I don't know if I would have been as excited about racing still. No. What What's the joy in accomplishing your goals on the third try or the second try? I mean, part of the grind is trying to get it done, get it right. And, and, and Mike Tyson said it best, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and, and that day just definitely, you know, punched me in the mouth. And um, it definitely made me humble. And I think also on these tougher courses, these hillier courses, as much as we try to want to maintain a split, and it's all about splits as runners. Um, one thing I'm learning after coming back from my injury is that it's consistent effort that gets you a lot further in, in training. And I think in Boston, if I had, I would do a lot of things differently. Um, but one of the biggest things during the race, at least, was that I should have maintained a consistent effort um, as soon as I hit those Newton Hills. Like I trained at a forget what pace i think it was like a 545 marathon 550 something like that um pace for the for the marathon and i felt comfortable at six flats like six flat was my my tempo pace like i felt or it was like my aerobic pace i felt fine there i could mow runs through that without a moment's notice and i felt like if i could go back that is what a strong effort through the hills would feel like um, to, to take that drop back, to, to not try to be so focused on splits because I try to focus on splits going through the Newton Hills yeah. and that's what gets you. Like you, you can't run 545 effort through the hills because that's going to be like, you're trying to run a 530. Um, just, your body's not ready for it. It's all conservation. Cause then you have another six miles of downhill. So like you slow it down for a little bit, conserve those tires a little bit. And then you're able to throw in that soft tire strategy and just like fucking run hard those last six miles yep. because you've conserved that because it ends up being like, yeah, it, it's the hardest thing. Cause like, and it's the same thing with cross country. Like they teach you not to sprint every hill. It's just like, it's maintained, it's maintained, it's maintained. And then you cover the top of that hill. You, you get those three quick steps off the top of the hill and let's get back onto it. And it's close hard. I think I'm mostly. Excited. I was wondering when you were going to throw that uh, F1 reference in, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'm mostly excited for Boston. Not, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's Boston. But um, I, I, and I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I think once I get there, like, that's kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, I quit after Boston. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and that's going to be my last marathon. And I'm not really going to care about pacing your time or anything like that. I'm just going to do it and get the medal. Because and... I said the same thing when uh, I did Boston. Chris, that was your second. Yeah, no. That was your second or third marathon. Like, come on. No, no. Like, this isn't a thing that I was interested in at all. I'm interested. I want to do it. I'm just saying, like, this is my swan song. Like, I want to be done with it. No, the high of the crowd. You don't. You don't. You don't really. It's addicting. The crowds of like for 26 miles, you have a crowd cheering you on. Can we even have that anymore, Chris? I feel like in 2020 and in 2021, we're not allowed. So. We'll get We'll get there. We have vir- we we have virtual crowds now, guys. Come virtual on, virtual crowd. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like the uh, cardboard cutouts they have at the baseball stadiums. I'd sign up. WWE has an entire crowd stadium that actually can like 
cheer people on. Well, wait, WWE's stadium like crowd has always been fake, hasn't it? <laughs> They've been well versed in this for years. No, no, they actually have video like no, I'm... like every seat has their own like little person cheer people on. We, we won't we won't get into what people have been showing on those screens. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. So, uh, following Boston, uh, you had a pretty, pretty great year coming out of that. Like, you were able to take a, a pretty rough Boston experience. And uh, just from seeing you both on Let's Run on Even Eat on Instagram, too, um, some big, big breakthroughs. Um, so, talk about that. Let's talk about your half marathon. Um, you know, that kind of started coming back from an injury um i i pulled my hamstring really really bad playing disc golf of all things um it was actually i actually pulled it when i went to go take a picture for instagram um i finished my round and i went back out and i wanted to you know show people what i was doing that day because i love trying new things i love disc golf and i went to go through throw a drive i twisted my ankle and my hamstring popped and so I was out for, this all happened with, I was like, this is not good. And so I was nursing a ham, that, that horrible hamstring injury for about two months. That was from uh, July until I think early September. And then early September, I got with my coach, Jimmy, and my plan was to hit a big half at the San Antonio race. And throughout that process, we slowly started working myself back. And the first race I ran was the uh, the Turkey Day race down here in New Orleans on Thanksgiving. And he told me to go out, run it as hard as I could. And then I had a workout after that. So I went out, I ran 25-23 for that five-miler. And after that, I had a 4 by 800 workout to do uh, with 200 recovery. <laughs> Um, immediately following, he told me, stay warm. It's just an intermission. Go out to the track, which is right next door to the finish, and go do this workout. So I did. That felt good. A couple weeks later, I ran the Cajun Cup 10K. Um, that's when I went 32-31. Um, that, my, my collegiate PR on the track was 32.06. So for me to run 32-31 and be just 25 seconds off my collegiate PR – um, 12 years later, after an eight-year break, I think that was another one of my big breakthroughs. And then not too long after that, I went to uh, San Antonio, started the race next right next to Molly Seidel. I had no idea oh, wow. until I saw the um, until I saw my pictures after the race, like months later. And I'm in the presence of a goat. I didn't know about it. Um, I trained pretty well. I, I, I went there. I was not ready. The hills kind of got me there. I also had to take a piss break at mile three. That that oh, took uh, 30, 30 seconds to 45 seconds or even a minute trying to fight those bathrooms. Um, and I grind. I, I kind of faded in the last 5K. That was a lesson I learned. I ran 111.44 there. So that was a um, – that was – if we're going back. Yeah, so that was in December. That was with the piss break. Um Way between there in my lead up to the Rocket City Marathon, I ran a one fourteen forty fifty seven. So, so I shaved off seven minutes of my um, half marathon PR from January to October of twenty eighteen, and then I didn't run another competitive half until I ran um, the the San Antonio. So I went one fourteen fifty seven to one one eleven forty four. And if you're counting at home, going way back to the start of this podcast, when I ran my first 10K, it was 42.07, and I went down to 32.31 in a, a couple years. With consistent training, dedication, and that's the competitive nature that I have, I just want to see how fast I can get. And then now, I think we're talking about the half that you're talking about, Chris. Um, when I was, uh, it was the, San, the, the local rock and roll half marathon here, um, my goal was to go sub 111. I wanted that to be able to qualify for the American Development Program at the Chicago Marathon. Um, 
And this was also part of the a new initiative that the the rock and roll series wanted to do. It was for like the American uh, development team thing. I forget what it was called, but they flew in a couple teams to race. Uh, it was a four team race. So we went up against uh, the hardworking track club, uh, the Boulder track club and somebody else. We finished uh, third, but, um, but I had a goal to go sub 111 there. And that was a day where everything clicked. This is actually a post that I'm going to be putting out on, uh, you know, we're talking about this on Thursday. I'm, I have a post scheduled to go out tomorrow about this, um, kind of recapping uh, a PR there. I ended up, ended up running 109.32. Um, so, and I still have a lot of room to grow, but that really even more fueled my fire. And that gave me so much confidence going to Boston. And then I got hurt. And I guess if it was if I was going to get hurt, it, it this is a great time to have that happen. It's just infuriating. 109 for a half marathon. I'm going for 135. I just I ask but, this a lot of times when we do the elite files. But why are we doing this, Chris? Why? <laughs> also, like consider that like top there, there's still talent to it. So like, oh yeah, Tyler, you ran for a D1 school. Whether you walked on or not, like you still have enough talent to be on the team like there. So like talent, especially if you're still exercising, you're still putting in that like talent doesn't necessarily go away, but to being able to tap in that talent take especially after a long hiatus takes a ton of work. Like it's still there, but it takes a ton of work after a long hiatus like this. And that's really like one thing that I've seen it's I mean, we've seen people that are talented that don't ever take the potential uh, because they're just lazy. Um, and then you add on top of it just like a different kind of like exercising routine. It's, and it's really cool to see that it's like you're a talented athlete, but this wouldn't happen if you hadn't had yourself too hard to do it. Like you, you couldn't half-ass it. I mean, you even talk about it early on you just doing a couple runs a week, you got to 42. You getting consistent to it, it took a couple of years to get back at it. Mm. Like, it's not a thing where it's like, oh, well, next year I just ran 69. It just didn't happen like nice. that. It took a couple of years of just running pretty <laughs> It took a couple of years of running to do it. It's just, a, it, is, it is something that, like, it's a combination of, like, it's hard work and consistency. And regardless of what who you are or what you are like, what talent level you're at, this isn't. And it's the same thing that you're talking about with weightlifting. This isn't a thing where like you can just half-ass, especially at the next level. Especially if you're trying to get mm -hmm. higher, you're trying to get a lower time. It's like it just doesn't work that way. Uh, Logan's not, not understanding that as it's run more and more. It's 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 stacking them on, stacking them on, and doing it right. So it's building a chain. Yeah. What is 69 and minutes in uh, in terms of like actual pace? Five nineteen. Uh, uh, yeah, five five eighteen was my overall pacing for that day. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I mean, considering that forty two is twenty one flat, so it's like six fifty a mile. Um, that's 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 put that perspective of where that's coming in a couple of years. For yeah. ten k running forty two minutes, it's about it's about six fifty. Or six forty-eight, and you're going down to five eighteen for a ten for for a, for a half marathon. That's that's amazing. Um, now, we're let's and you know honestly, I think at this point, uh, considering like I think we got into a, good, a lot of good topic. If if you're cool with this, I'd love to have you back on it because I kind of want to go into a little bit deeper on the second half of this. I think there's a lot to talk about with in regards to like what happened after, and I think that's really yeah. where. If, if you're cool with having another another podcast with us for next week, I'd really appreciate it uh, because I think there's a lot of things that that you can provide a lot of like really good uh, insight into somebody that's completely like, I mean, tearing something. And coming back from it is very, very different. So I think it's a lot of For sure. content that I think we can we can really dig into and even ask get some questions involved about coming back from this. Um, oh, I'm I'm down. 
Awesome. So I think we'll cut it for right now. Uh, Larry, we'll, 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 uh, we'll do this. Uh, we'll, we'll cut from there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I really appreciate you being on this one for this first half. We're going to have you back on the second half. Uh, uh, you could follow me at Beers and Miles, uh, beersandmiles.com. You follow the Beers and Miles podcast on uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, anywhere you can find a podcast. So, Larry, where can we find you at? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Fadley underscore. That's F as in Frank, A-D as in dog, E-L-E-Y underscore. You can find me on Twitter at Fadley, no underscore. Um, you can find me on email. If you guys want to send us questions for the podcast, find me at questions, the number four. That is the number four, not spelled out four. Uh, questions for Larry at gmail.com. And you could also probably find my vehicle if you look around Columbus often enough because it is my last name on my license plate. Go ahead, Tyler. Where can we find you, bud? um at on instagram uh at instagram yes that's me no um <laughs> on instagram i'm i'm uh i'm kind of a big deal um on instagram you can find me at tyler t-y-l-e-r underscore runs underscore lips awesome and uh yeah we're gonna have a new episode up that we're gonna be recording next week so if you guys enjoyed this and you guys have some questions, we're going to be talking in this next episode about a big setback and coming back from it and new levels following the setback. So this is going to be a very much, and I think on both of our sides, we kind of got into we're, our, our, our running, our marathon lives kind of follow a very parallel lifestyle because we we both were going to run boston we're both going to run chicago both the american development program we both got here right around the same time so this is gonna be i think next next episode is gonna be really great to be able to get into some insight of like the other side of things and so if you guys have any questions send it to questions at number four larry at gmail.com otherwise we appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk to you guys next week Bye. thanks guys